This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Dublin Story Slam. My name is Julian Clancy and I produce the Dublin Story Slam. And if you haven't been before, it's an open mic storytelling night. Uh, so every month we invite members of the audience to get up and share personal true stories inspired by a different theme each night. And here on the podcast, you're going to hear uh, some of the more memorable stories that we've been recording since we began way back in 2017. So some of these stories are really, really funny. Some of them will make you laugh out loud. But we have had the occasional listener breaking down into tears while shopping. So be warned, it can be a bit of a roller coaster ride. But this is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. So the theme for this month's podcast is escape. So we've got three stories for you, handpicked from over our archives and more recently recorded at the Dublin Story Slam last week. So these are stories all about escape and some can be a literal escape as in running away from something that's quite terrifying sounding. Also escaping into your inner mind at a time when things were simpler. And finally we're going to bring you a story from Southeast Asia And it's one of those stories where you just need to strap yourself in and go along for the ride. So the first story that we're going to start with is a story from Kieran Casey. Now, Kieran is our most recent winner of the Dublin Story Slam. And last week, he got up on stage and told a story inspired by Holiday. This story from Kieran just had us in the aisles rolling over. Um, so even though you mightn't have been there, I think you're going to really enjoy this story. This is Kieran Casey. So hi guys, uh, my story is also in uh, based in Southeast Asia. When Johnny started there, I was like, "Fuck, this is going to be eight stories about Thailand." No, I bet you. <laughs> uh, um, so a bit of background, I guess. Like uh, myself and my two mates finished college in 2008. Three of us with construction-based degrees, totally fucked. Book flights to Australia. <laughs> and, like, kind of probably went on a common trip here amongst people our own age, which was, like, Southeast Asia on the way to Australia. So it was kind of like um, my first holiday where there was no return flight. So it was super exciting, like, you know? And um, great, great buzz, like. And... Uh, <laughs> We got into, uh, so first stop was Thailand. Thailand was a little bit disappointing. Um, we did like five or six weeks, all the u- usual tourist trail. And I felt the kind of wildness had gone out of the place. And I was like, this isn't kind of what I'd read about or this is what I heard about. And I met this cool young English lad and I was telling him this and he was like, you want to go to Laos? And I was like, okay, perfect. So got the boys roped up anyway. We went up to Laos. 
Uh, <laughs> so uh, Laos is kind of like Thailand from like 50 years ago. So the second you go over the border, the roads are gone. Everything takes days to get to everywhere. And I was like, this is what I want to know. This is mad. This is great. So, <laughs> so uh, we went to this place called Vang Vien, which is known at the time for this thing called tubing, which was just, it, it's, it's been banned since because I think there was three or four people dying a year. Um, so basically what tubing was, you go up to the top of the river, you get an old tractor tire and uh, the inflatable bit from a tractor tire and you'd hop into it you go down the river for the day, and there was pubs all the way along the river. And you'd either float into a pub, or they'd throw a rope out you, and they'd pull you into their pub. <laughs> so it was just sheer debauchery, you know, like, it was... And, like, we were never so at home. We were like, this is... This is what it's all about. Um, <laughs> so, so, like, we, we had Vietnamese um, visas sorted, and after two days of the tube, we were like, fuck Vietnam. Like, there's, n <laughs> there's nothing there for us. We're going to stay here for as long as possible. So we did, like, we did, like 10 days. <laughs> um, so I think it was, like, the third or fourth day, I was getting a little bit too brave, and they were selling uh, magic mushrooms over the counter, and... Um, totally went to town on him, like, and uh, <laughs> just <laughs> had a, a ludicrous day. Like, it was, uh, it was, I, I reckon it was one of the best days I ever put down, but, um, <laughs> so anyway, like, um, so yeah, great crack down along the river for the day, and that could kind of be four, five, six hours. Um, and then down at the end, there's a load of tuk-tuks that take you back into the town for just more of the same, like, and um, <laughs> there was this crazy German guy pulled up in a scooter, and he was like, uh, he was like, anyone lift? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll jump on and hop down the back anyway. And uh, we were only about a kilometer down the road, I was realized, I was like, this fucker was drinking with me all day. <laughs> we were like, no helmets all over the road. And there was this smell of burn, like, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Pulled in anyway to Vang Vien, and I realized it was my leg that was on the exhaust for the day, or for the whole trip. Just had a big welt, like, magic mushrooms are doing the trick, I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> so, down into a bar, more of the same, more debauchery. Like, like if, if, if intoxication... Was it, this was my Everest, like, it was... <laughs> it was... It was... It was crazy. So... For some reason, for some reason, um, I decided my girlfriend was back home finishing school, and I was like, I'll ring her. That's a good idea. So I went to an internet cafe, and just as I was leaving, my buddy Sugru saw me, and he was like, trying to talk me out of going anywhere. He was like, stay here. Like, anyway, um, in fairness, he did a great thing. He took the wallet off. I had one of those goofy travel wallets, and he took it off my neck, and he gave me five bucks, and he was like, go on, do what you want. <laughs> so... I was all over the place looking for this internet cafe, and there was hundreds of them, like, they were everywhere, these internet cafes, and I couldn't find one. And next thing I noticed, <laughs> I was like, I'm in a dark part of town here, this isn't on the tourist trail. And next thing, like, before I knew it, there was a, like, a silver high ace pulled up, and the sliding door at the side opened, and three local lads came out and kidnapped me. <laughs> so they closed the door, and... Um, I don't know why, I just didn't feel in danger, like... 
Taylor. <laughs> I could, I could, I could just, I could tell nearly instantly that they weren't dangerous guys. I was like, these guys, these guys are chancers, like. <laughs> so, there was one guy either side of me, um, one guy either side of me, two facing me in the back of the van, and one fellow driving. So they took me to a car park first, and they tried to pretend to be heavies, like you know. And um, I think one of them had a pellet gun. And he didn't like point it at me, but what he did was like, he had this kind of blanket and he just lifted it up. And like, I was like, that's a Pelagon, like. <laughs> he's like. He <laughs> so he didn't like, he didn't trick me with it. He was just like, look, I have a Pelagon. I was like, all right, right. <laughs> but then, so luckily, as my friend had took my wallet off me, like they, they, got me to turn over my pockets. I was like, work away, lads, there was nothing there. Small, small little bit of weed, grind, take that, no worries. So then they knew they, they, they could get nothing out of me, so the next thing was that they were gonna try and take me back to my hotel to clear us out. So they were like, hotel, hotel, there was one guy with a bit of English, and I was like, yeah, yeah, grind. So, I like, to be fair, even though I knew I kind of wasn't in danger, I was, it was still a shady situation, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just give up my shitty T-shirts, that's grand, like. But, then on the way back, I realized I was so drunk, I didn't know where my hotel was. <laughs> so, me and the lads were just driving around this town for hours. <laughs> so, it finished up anyway, uh, let's say three or four hours later, my buddies were shitting themselves, obviously doing like, doing a search of the town or whatever. And Sugru, my buddy, saw me and they were helping me out of the van. Actually, you're like, let's get rid of this fella. He's, he's more hassle than he's worth. So, um, so the next morning, I was talking to the hotel owner, and uh, the Lowe's people are so nice and so gentle and so lovely. And I just, I just got that feeling off the lads. I was like, there's no badness in these dudes. And um, the hotel owner was saying that the locals are so poor that that's one of the scams they pull. Another scam is that uh, the local cops have no uniforms and that they just people pretend to be cops and to get fines and stuff. So he was like, look, nothing ever bad ever happened. So I was like, I could have knew that. So that's my story, you know. That was Kieran Casey. Now we've had travel stories on the podcast before and at our story slams, but I think that one has to, to take the biscuit in terms of the sheer debauchery that is described, but also a lovely bit of warm heart there at the end when Kieran realises that, you know what, these are guys just basically trying to make a book or two. So thank you so much to Kieran for sharing his story. And Kieran, of course, as our winner, will go on to compete in the Grand Slam, not this year, but Grand Slam next year, because we are currently planning our Grand Slam for the end of the year, where we're going to invite eight Story Slam winners back up on stage to share eight brand new stories. And um, yeah, we'll be bringing you details about that pretty, pretty soon because uh, time is uh, ticking. So keep an eye um, and ear out for that. Our next story comes from Geraldine Carton. And if you thought that the excitement and the the thrills and spills uh, were over, uh, you better strap yourself back in again. Because uh, this is a story about a road trip with a little bit of a difference, escaping something that sounds truly terrifying. This is Geraldine Carton. Hello. Um, 
My story takes place in um, 2013 when I was living in Australia. Um, apologies in advance for the accent that I'm going to try to do throughout insulting the Australian accent. Anyway, so uh, 2013, I was in, in Melbourne and I had acquired an Australian boyfriend. And he was a typical cool guy. He liked to surf and he liked to be chilled. And I was none of those. Uh, things and uh, anyway so for New Year's we had decided that we are going to go to this uh, festival called Falls Festival music festival on the island of Tasmania um, and uh, Tassie for short and um, so we decided to go there okay but he was very chilled as I, as I said and he was like oh like you know we'll just go and like who cares we don't we can just travel around by foot and like hitchhike and lie under the stars and that's, that's what we did. Okay, so all we, we went over with only our um, tickets for the, the festival and our flight tickets, okay? And on the first night, we were in a local bar in Hobart, which is the capital city of Tasmania. And uh, we got chatting to this local guy and we were telling the story, well, Max was, and uh, he was like, yeah, we're just going to uh, sleep on the stars and we're just going to hitchhike. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and the local guy was like, right, right, and how'd you both feel about that? And like, Max was like, yeah. And then I was sitting behind Max, like clearly like deer in headlights, trying to be cool, and I was like, Mm. Uh, and obviously the local man must have took, taken extreme pity on my innocent Irish Catholic girl nature and was like, do you know what, fuck it, you seem like a couple of good kids. I've got a camper van out back and why don't you just take that, don't do the hitchhiking thing, don't sleep under the stars and just bring it back with a slag of, slab of beer and a full tank of gas and we'll call it even. So it was incredible, like we had this 1970s camper van, we were like trucking around, filled it up with all the alcohol and beans we could, went to the festival and um, then we kind of like pushed our luck a little bit, we were like look any chance we could actually we were going to do a bit of travelling around Tasmania, is it okay if like, you know we kind of explore a bit with the camper van, he was like ah yeah whatever, um, <laughs> uh, bring back with two slabs of beer, um, so we were like okay, great and we did, we had a fantastic time travelling around Tasmania and slept under the stars and whatever. So on the last day uh, we were making our way back and Max was really hungover. He did most of the driving because it was actually, it was kind of hefty to, to drive around this big Volkswagen um, camper van thing. And uh, so I was like, look, it's fine, it's fine, I'll do it. Like, you know, it was kind of a novelty and it's the last day. So like, what's the worst that could happen? Just so happens that it was the hottest day in the history of Tasmania. And it, honestly, it was like 46 degrees. It was sweltering, okay? So we had, we had to get from one very small town to um, Hobart, which was still kind of like a small-ish town. It was like kind of a, a Galway, but um, big stretch of land uh, that were like a, just one main road that we had to get through. So I was driving around, and like it was, it was just honestly, it was so sweltering that like between, like it was kind of windy anyway, but between like the sweat and like the sun cream was kind of slippy, and I was like trying to hold on to the steering wheel with the wind and everything. So anyway, driving around, then... Um, Max was very hungover, but on the radio, and then I was like, all right, everybody, um, bushfires, uh, they're, they're going throughout the, the land. Um, <laughs> and uh, they were like, whatever you do, don't be in this place, this place, this place. Be as far away from it as possible, and don't be near it, and don't go towards it. And we had... <laughs> 
we had just come from one of the places that I mentioned. And I was like, oh my God, like that's where we're going towards. Like, what are you going to do? And Max was like, oh, it's grand. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. And I was like, I'm a cool girl. Mm, yeah, cool. And anyway, then uh, it was just, it was getting so hot. And I was like, I really don't, like, I feel a little bit uneasy about this whole situation. And he was like, it's fine, it's fine. And he was kind of just like ignoring me. And then he's like, the man's on fire! <laughs> I was like, what? And he was like, yeah! And like rolls down the wind with this huge gush of heat comes out towards us. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, it's on fire! <laughs> and if the wind changes, it's coming right towards us. I have no idea what accent I'm doing now. Um, <laughs> I was like, honestly, at this point, all sense of cool girl went out the window. I was like, what? <laughs> I was so terrified. And then I looked down at our, um, the meter of, like, the gas meter, and it was on, it wasn't even on zero, it was on that bit below zero, and I was like, <gasps> like, honestly, I was like, I don't know what we're going to do, like, it was, it was just kind of like a dead-end scenario, there was, as I said, like, there was, there was no one on the road, everyone else had paid attention to the, the signals of the radio and what they told us not to go towards that area, not between that area, so no one was on the road, so I just honestly was like, well, pff, like, this is it, this, this is where we die, um... <laughs> Like, cheers, Max. Uh, thanks for the help. Um, so, honestly, all I could think to do was just, I was just praying to my granny up in heaven, and I was like, please, 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 like, somehow make us get to this place, Hobart, um, in time. It, like, was in, it was just against all odds. There was no way we were going to get there, okay? But we must have just been on, like, a downward slope the entire way, and we arrived at the um, gas station, and I was, it was just like, oh, God. I was so relieved, but honestly, it was like the end of the world. The, the sky had turned this, like, purple, pink, it was raining ash, it was really eerily quiet, all the shops had closed over and there had all these signs being like, sorry, closed, because like our f houses are on fire, um, be back in five. Uh, <laughs> so when we did arrive at the gas station, it was awful, like there was all these cars and they'd just been like jam-packed with like all the belongings people could take from their house. And uh, it was this weird scenario, okay, because we arrived and I, I just knew what was happening. I knew, I'd heard these awful stories of people dying and stuff in the past and they, their entire bur um, villages and houses get burned down. So I went over and I was like, oh, look, you know, I hope you're okay or whatever. And they kind of turned around to me and it turned out they were all having like cracking cans. And they're like, all right, jeez, hey, one. And I was like, oh, like, um, commiserations, thank you. Um, uh, and he was like, uh, I was trying to kind of basically be like, look, is everything okay? Or like, what happened basically to you? And he was like, do you know what? Last time this happened, like, two people died. Uh, like, someone's kid got killed and whatever. Like, we're just delighted to be alive. So cheers to that. And I just, like, I couldn't believe this kind of scenario. Like, all, the, the only belongings they had was in their car. And yet they were so delighted with life. And I just kind of was like, God, you know, if this was the end of the world, like, this is such a lovely way to end it. <laughs> like, we're all at least with such good people. Anyway, that was the end of it. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's great. Um, during the podcast, we will provide annotated commentary on Geraldine's facial expressions. Uh, <laughs> for the whole thing we'll just be kind of we'll interrupt every three seconds to say she's doing this uh, it's probably one of those ones you need a video for as well it's a wonderful performance as well as a great story from Geraldine Carton there thank you that was Geraldine Carton there so since Geraldine managed to evade the bushfires of 2013 in Tasmania she is still in contact with Max and has also been back to Australia But when I asked Geraldine about the most important thing, uh, she confessed that, yes, they had returned the camper van in perfect condition and also with two slabs of beer and a bottle of whiskey. So fair play to Geraldine and Max too. Our final story of this month's podcast, where the theme we're exploring is escape, is very much the escape into imagination. And this is an incredibly sweet and tender story from Breed McNamara, who said that, you know, six months ago, she said that she could never imagine herself telling a story even on stage, let alone this particular story. So this is Breed McNamara. So I'm from a tiny little village in East Clare. Actually, I'm not even from that village. I'm from a few miles away from it up in the mountains. Um, the mountains are a great place to grow up. Um, literally, all we did was play. I mean, don't get me wrong, we went to school when we had to. But apart from that, we just played, 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 played all day, all summer, all weekend. All we did was play. Um, my siblings were sports crazy. Uh, I wasn't. So when it was their choice of game, it was always hurling, football, maybe rugby. Um, when it was my shot, um, it was always a little bit more imaginative. So I had a catalogue of games that I loved to play. Um, I can remember three of them really well. So the first one was called uh, The Famous Five. It was loosely based on the wonderful Enid Blyton books. Um, luckily, there were four of us and we did have a dog. Um, his name wasn't Timmy, but he kind of fell into line and responded to being called Timmy. Um, it wasn't a really complicated game. It literally just involved us fighting over who'd be called Julian, Dick, Annie and George, and then walking around the yard just drinking my waddy because my mum wouldn't buy us any ginger beer. Um, the second story was Wimbledon, loosely based around the actual Wimbledon. Um, that just involved us kind of gathering together white clothing, whether it was, you know, really... Like my, my dad's T-shirt, pillowcases, sheets, anything we could get. And then we'd get a rope and we'd kind of drape it between two trees. And we only ever had one tennis racket for some reason. So the other person had to use a hurley. So it was like, it was never an evenly matched game of tennis. 
And depending who was kind of famous tennis player at the time, there was some like inappropriate grunting or maybe a scrap would break out on the tennis court. Um, but my, my favourite game by far, and the one I remember best, was one called the Private Detective Agency. Um, so our agency was fully furnished. Um, it had two pieces of furniture. One was my mam's old kitchen table, which she donated. Um, when I say donated, she put it into the shed. We took it out of the shed. She's still looking for it now. She never knew where it went. Um, the second piece of furniture was a TV, which um, didn't work anymore. It belonged to my uncle. Um, I don't really know what the purpose of the TV was. I think it was just to add a bit of glamour to the situation and maybe to give our, our client base the idea that we were a little bit more tech-enabled than we were. Um, so our, the kind of base for our agency moved. We kind of moved around frequently because my mum was looking for the table mostly, um, but not as frequently as we would have liked as anybody who was, who was born in the 80s. Remember, the TVs weren't very portable back then. Um, our absolute favourite spot for it though was just a couple of hundred yards away from the house and there was a little turn in the road and there was a stream that ran kind of underneath the road and then alongside the road for a few hundred yards so the bank was only kind of about two feet deep so we climbed down there our kitchen table slash agency desk just sat perfectly across the stream we didn't have any chairs um, we had our eye on a few of my mum's old kitchen chairs but she kept fixing the unfixable so we never we never got those we had to kind of perch on stones in the middle of the stream um, our case files were old electricity bills um, <laughs> And occasionally a new one would make its way into the pile. And uh, my dad would be frantically turning the house upside down, wanting to go to the post office to pay the bill. And there'd be like a dash to agency headquarters to retrieve it. And like it would reappear just a little bit damp with like case closed written on it in crayon. <laughs> and he kind of scratch his head and just head off to the post office to pay it. Um, my brothers always got bored long before I did and they'd go back and start a game of hurling in a field somewhere and I'd keep going for hours and days and I had a, a handbag belonged to my nana and I used to hold it just on the crook of my arm and just walk around looking for mysteries to solve and uh, I only had one thing in the handbag, just a box of matches so the, the box of matches were supposed to be cigarettes because um, everybody knows all the cool detectives smoked in the 80s so I used to wander, yeah, looking for those mysteries to solve, but unfortunately it never became a, a career for me. Um, and I, I was sat with a few of my friends recently and we were watching their kids playing and we were doing that thing where we say, oh, I wonder can we figure out what they're going to be when they grow up? And one of them was in the corner of the lawn with all his teddies lined up in front of him, you know, and he was singing and dancing and we were saying, God, he's definitely going to be a showman. And the other boy was kind of wrapping a reluctant cat in a tea towel and we were saying, oh, will he be like a vet or, a, you know, a doctor or a nurse or something? And and I think of my dad standing on the corner of the road, looking down at his daughter, just perched like a pelican on a stone <laughs> in a stream, like just frantically sorting through electricity bills on my mam's old <laughs> kitchen table. And I wondered if you think, what in the name of Jesus is this one going to do when she grows up? Um, as I said, it never became a career for me. But what I did learn from the private detective agency, Wimbledon and the Famous Five, was the ability to escape. Um, so whether it's for a moment or a little bit longer, when I need to escape, I can just pop in here and disappear from this lovely life just for a moment. So whether I'm doing a tricky presentation in work, whether I'm sat in a queue for 10 hours for all together now, <laughs> or whether I'm stood at my dad's graveside wondering how I can get on without him. I pop in here for a second, I catch a breath, 
and I come back out and rejoin this lovely life. My dad could never really understood. He used to call them my imagination games, and he never really got them. He was a simple man, and he was much happier just watching my brothers play hurling. But he did love nothing more than a cup of tea and a good story. So that one's for you, Donna. Thank you. That was Breed McNamara there with the kind of little emotional warm hug that, you know, sometimes everybody needs at the end of the day. That story uh, was recorded at our last Story Slam and Breed, again, was also a very last minute sign up. Uh, She said that she wrote the story pretty much the day before the slam and that she kind of felt inspired after the passing of her father to just get up there and, you know, to do the things that you're sometimes most scared of. So we are so grateful to Breed for getting up and sharing um, those stories. And of course, those gorgeous, beautiful images of what sounded like an incredible, idyllic um, childhood, as well as a beautiful relationship between father and daughter. Okay, so that's it for this month's Story Slam. We'll be back again next month with three brand new stories. And the next Story Slam is September 17th. So we'll uh, keep you posted. The fastest way to find out, of course, is when tickets go on sale uh, is through our mailing list, the Dublin Story Slam. And if you yourself have heard some stories today and you thought there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to be up there sharing a story in front of a bunch of strangers. Well, never say never is all I will say. If you want to talk about it, if you have an inkling for a story, you're not really sure. Just give us a shout over at story at the Dublin Story And uh, I'm sure we can we can convince you to get up there and share it. Okay, thanks a million, as always, for listening to the Dublin Story Slam podcast, and we'll speak to you next month. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.